uh, I was going through my files. I kept all the record of all the messages I gave at Hope Church. And I realized in 15 years ago, 2014, went through 11 messages on Lord's Prayer. I remember uh, we ended with all 11 sessions, message, 11 uh, sessions of the messages on Lord's Prayer, ended with a prayer. I remember that time inviting Jenny to come, asked her to end the whole thing with Lord's Prayer, praying in her own words. I mean, I remember, I don't know if anybody remember, it was one of the most beautiful prayer ever heard. And Jenny praying the Lord's Prayer was beautiful that day. Amazing. We are in the midst of 40 days of prayer. And, you know, and this is the intentional time you're setting aside, draw near to God, and actually pray and learn how to draw near to and grow in prayer. And to be honest, I have so many things in my mind. I can, just, I can say about at least three different messages are running in my head, all being meshed together. And hopefully I'll be able to take some pieces out and, and come and look at it together. Today, the title of the message is, is let me pray like this. I was debating whether I should title it Pray Like This or Do Not Pray Like This. But, you know, I, I want you to think, I, I want to focus on Lord's Prayer this morning, this afternoon. I know in our 40 days of prayer, uh, life, uh, life, small groups, I know last week and this week you'll be focusing on the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer. You'll do the second part this week. Some of you already started it already. Second, and, but I want to look at some of the things that I notice and see. I want to talk about it a little bit. One thing that I notice, I'm a pastor, Mimi mentioned it, I mentioned it a couple of times, you know, out of all the things that disciples saw Jesus do, killings, raising the dead, and walking on the water, and all that he did, only one thing they, the disciples ever asked Jesus to teach them was, teach us to pray. That's what Luke 11 was, now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he was finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, please, uh, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And Jesus goes on to teach them the prayer. And if you look at Matthew, Matthew, Gospel Matthew's version, there's only about 120 letters in it, words in it. It actually, if you actually read it slowly, only takes a couple minutes. And done. But something that really, really shocked me was they said well, this is the only thing they asked they, out of all the things he asked can it just to pray and what they got was two minutes of teaching pray like this and then literally two minutes and done it really makes me think you know, by the short teaching on how to pray Jesus was really saying something very amazing and interesting the pastor Mimi quoted my message last Sunday saying, longer is not better. Or louder is not more, more passionate. And often we think that we have wrong ideas what prayer is. And Jesus taught the disciples saying, prayer doesn't have to be long at all. It can be only two, two minutes long. Model prayer, prayer like this. I want to look at this uh, uh, model prayer and look at some things. And really... Uh, uh, 
help, help us to really pray to God and better and also learn how not to pray as well. Let's pray together. Daddy God, Father, we come before you today as the people of God standing before you. We come as a people to worship you in this time. Our desire is to see you, hear you, and know you. But I pray that you will meet us here. You will open our ears to hear you, open our eyes to see you, open our hearts that you may come in and fill us once again. Open all our senses we may sense you. Oh, God, every part of our being loving you, following you. God, we love you. Come in our midst. In the beautiful, glorious name of our Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let me just read this. Uh, the, my version, NASB version of the Lord's Prayer. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily stake. Actually, I heard, I heard a funny story in Anheuser Bush some years ago. I don't know if it's true or not. Called Vatican, asked to see Pope. Said, Pope, if you can change that one word in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. Turn, to, turn it to say, give us this, this day our daily beer. I'll give you a $5 million donation. And the Pope said, my son, no can do. $25 million. No. Finally, the president of the Anheuser Bush said, my father offered the Pope $100 million. And the Pope picked up the phone call, uh, Monsignor Mancini. How firm is the contract with Pillsbury though? I don't know whether it's true or not. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as you also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It took that long to figure it out. You know that I didn't happen. I was just making it up, okay? All right. Today's title, Pray Like This. We're going to look at the model prayer and see some things that Jesus is teaching us how to pray, how not to pray. Let me, let me make a few comments first of all. It begins by saying, pray in this way. And I said, this then is how you should pray. Not Lord's Prayer is not something that you are supposed to repeat after all the time. No, this is how you should pray. How? Pray like this, NLT version says. And message version says, with a, with a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply like this. It begins by saying, Our Father who is in heaven. Our Father who is in heaven. As Pastor Mimi shared last week, uh, uh, the, Jesus calling God the Father was 
groundbreaking, totally different from any other prayer ever out there. Who do you think you're praying to? It really begins by saying, our Father who is in heaven. You see, you see what you know about someone determines how you talk to them, doesn't it? What you know about someone determines how you talk to them. If you're driving down in the highway, everybody's slowing down. You know who is out there. There's a car on the side, somebody with a little radar gun, and everybody slows down. If he flashes you in the back and follows your car, you pull over. You talk to him. You don't say, what do you want? Because you know, if you know the person you're talking to, you talk differently. When your daughter comes in, all, you know, uh, messed up, whatever. You say, what's wrong? What's going on? You know, you talk differently if you know who you're talking to. That's isn't it. Now, praise. You see, you see who, when you pray to God, who you understand God to be changes, how, changes as to how you talk to God. He said, Jesus said, pray like this, our Father who is in heaven. He's not just Lord God, mighty God out there, but he's Father. I saw, I remember seeing a picture. Long This is a JFK in the White House with two kids, his kids. This is an Oval Office, okay? Kids playing and running around. You see, even though their father was the most powerful man in the whole world, President of America, the son and daughter didn't talk to dad like, hey, president, how are you? Not dad. You know, and you can see kids playing in father's room. You know, the office is the father's room. They will jump and play. Unlike anybody else who will walk in the room, they will give respect to this most powerful man on earth. But son and daughter will be different. He said, you come, and Jesus said, come and pray. Our Father. You see, prayer is always from our relationship with God. Isn't it? When you come and pray, our Father. You cannot pray our Father, God as our Father if you do not know God as a Father. If you are not a Christian, you cannot call God as a Father. Surely not. Our prayer is out of our relationship with God. Jesus says, pray in this way, like this. Our Father. Not only our Father, our Father who is in heaven. He's he's, yes, he's our Father, but he's mighty God. He's heaven. As heaven is to earth, he is more powerful, more wise than anything else, but yet he is our Father. We come to God, the Father, in that way. Second thing I notice about this prayer is, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. You will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's a priority in prayer. Jesus taught us to pray. Talk to God as a father in your relationship. As you pray, the first thing you pray first is about your kingdom, your will, your name. Now, if you flip, flip the other way, often some of our prayers are all about me, what I want, what I desire. Our priority is all, all mixed up. It's about what I want, my self-interest. Jesus said, you come 
to God Father, and you come to Father in a different way. You come with a priority. Your priority is looking at God, who is his majesty and glory and beauty. Amen? I'm moving along quickly. But remember Matthew 6.33, on, a, on a, the very well-known uh, word of God, it says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Jesus was talking about to not worry about life, what you will eat or drink or, or, or wear. Because this is what people who does not know God, Gentiles seek and run after. But you have a heavenly Father. Therefore, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all the things you are worried about, anxious about God, I will add it unto you. First priority is in prayer. Is God and his will and his purpose. Second thing. The third thing, I guess. Keep, look, at, look at this part of the prayer. Give us, give us this day. Our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Do, do you notice something there? You should. I highlighted and bolded it, <laughs> right? I make it simple, right? You see how much this prayer is about us, not about me, us. Not just about my daily, but it's our daily bread. It's not only about my sin, but our sin. And the prayer is so us. Therefore, there's an us in your prayer. Is, us, is there us in your prayer, or is it just I in your prayer? It's us in our prayer. As I pray for my needs, my daily bread, I'm praying. Not only my, my daily, but our daily bread. Maybe my steak, but not your steak, but at least our daily bread. Okay. Our sins. Us in prayer. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, it says, Let each one of you, each of you not only look for his own interests, but also the interests of others. Don't just be selfish all about you, but also consider the interests of others, needs of others as well. Is my prayer is, is my prayer all self-centered about me, or is, does, it does, does it include others as well? That's a good prayer, isn't it? As I, as I was meditating on this prayer and thinking about the, the model prayer Jesus taught us, uh, something that really struck me and that I got stuck on this thing. I know today's, uh, this week's Bible study, I think you're going to focus a lot on this as well. But it may sound like I may, be, I may be repeating, but it's okay. It says, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. There's a section where I highlighted, bolded it, and Jesus said, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. I think uh, there is a must in prayer. Not only there is a priority in prayer, there is us in prayer, but there's also a must in prayer, part one. is about forgive us our sins. There's a, there is one place, where, one, one place where God said, one condition where God said, I will not listen to your prayer. One is, that one is about when I'm cherishing, holding on to known sin in my life that I'm not repenting of. 
In Psalm 66, 18, it says, If I have had cherished iniquity, sin in my heart, and Lord would not have listened or heard my prayer. One place you know where God said, I do not listen to any prayer like this, is when I am holding on to sin. I am continuing in sin. I have no desire to repent. And this is there that God said, I will not listen to you. Sin breaks our relationship with God. That's, that it doesn't mean God does not. It doesn't mean God does not love us any less. But no, it breaks our relationship with God. It's like, it's like you know when you are not doing you are not doing well with your wife. Your, your wife is not happy with you, and and you are not happy with your wife. You don't talk. I learned it early days in my marriage. When my wife doesn't talk to me for a day or two or a week or month, I'm in the doghouse. When she begins to talk, I know I'm, I'm doing better. And that means, oh, she's willing to forgive me. When there's no, you know, when there is something blocking us, we do not talk. You see, and same in spiritually, in spirit, if I am holding on to sin in my life, I'm not, I, I am walking in that, I'm not desiring to repent at all, this is where I'm holding on to, then God will not hear my prayer. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, he would not have listened. But in Psalms 30 to 5, Dave, King David says, Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. The good news is God is ready, more ready to forgive as you turn to God to confess our sin. Now, confessing doesn't mean when I clean up my act, I'll come to God. No, that doesn't mean that. Often we, often we have no power to clean up our act. The confession is God, acknowledging God, I have sinned, I have done wrong. I want to change. God, help me. That's confession. Sometimes the Satan will lie to you saying, unless you clean up your act, you cannot come to God. That's not the gospel. You come to God because you need him. You come to God because you have no power to change. You come to God because you have no power to make yourself better. You come and say, God, I am broken. I need your help. I have sinned. I've done wrong. Then God is more than willing. He has already been waiting for us to forgive. And he, in, in this psalm, David says, when I did not repent, when I, when I held on to my, when I didn't confess, my bones are melting away. My heart was drenched and I was dying, God. When I chose now, I say, God, I acknowledge now. When I confess now, God said, he heard my prayer. He forgave my sin. The good news is this. If we, look at verse, verse 9. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you see the promise here? Not only God forgives, but he cleanses us. Who cleanses us? Not me. God cleanses us when I, when I come and acknowledge, when I repent. But, I don't, but isn't that true? I don't know about you. There are things in my life I know it's wrong. I, God, I need to change, but I don't, I don't have the ability to change. God, I do the same thing over and over. God, I need your help. I cannot change myself. The gospel is 
He promises. He said, I am able to not only forgive you, but cleanse you. I'm able to forgive your sins and transform you. See, gospel transforms us, changes us. Gospel makes us new because that's who he is. You know, see, the must in prayer is that we have to deal with our sin. This is the most important thing. But this is why God sent his only son on earth to die on the cross. On the cross, dying, Jesus said, it is finished. His job, his goal and purpose of and cleansing us, forgiving us our sins were done on the cross. It was all done. You see, a must in prayer is, I come and deal with my sin. Acknowledge and confess my sin. Amen? So, Jessica began today with prayer. God, is there any, see if there's any hurtful ways, wicked ways in me. God, I don't want those things anymore. Is there any hurtful ways? Not only sinful ways, hurtful ways in me. God, help me to deal with it. I come and confess before you. Promises he, he does. Oh my, now I realize I'm so hot. I'm wearing this thing. If you don't mind, let me take this off. I have so many layers. It's like, it's like this. You have many, many coats of things you're holding on to. You're sweating. When you just take it off, you will be cooler. Right? It's, I'm sweating everywhere. I'm sorry if I can. Does it work? Okay. Good. God is good. Amen. Okay. Let me move on. I need to move quickly. The second must of the prayer. This is important. I, this is what I'm stuck on. Jesus said in, his pray, in, in this prayer, Jesus says, if you don't do this, I will not, he will not forgive you. What does he say? For if you forgive others for their transgression, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgression. This is why he said, forgive us, forgive us our debts as you have forgiven those that our debtors, right? And we have to forgive others as well. It's not only asking God to forgive me, but that I have, I'm, I'm willing and I am forgiving others. This is a number of years ago before Buggy was married, when Buggy was still single. I remember one Sunday, we were still at Old Korean Church in Riverdale. In the middle of the service, he ran out. So I thought, man, was my preaching self that bad? He ran out, literally middle of the message, he ran out. Do you remember that, Buggy? So, 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 so I remember, so I remember after, after the after service and the fellowship time, he was back at church. I said, what's going on? He said, in the middle of the message, I remembered somebody, somebody, something wrong with somebody. So I had to make it right. I went out to make it right. Remember that? <laughs> because Jesus said this, right? And whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against against anyone so that your Father who also is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. So if you are offering a gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. 
Here Jesus says, you know what? Your worship is not acceptable if you do not deal with this. The second must of the prayer is not only my sin, I confess my sins, but also that I must be willing to forgive others, that I am forgiving others. That is, that is basis for God that I will forgive you because, you see, the forgiving spirit, heart that forgives, is a mark, the most important mark of a Christian. A forgiven person forgives others. Let me say it again, this side, okay? There's no response over there. Forgiven people forgives others. That's better, okay. What about this side? Forgiven people forgive others. Thank you. A little better, okay. You see, if, if the forgiveness of our sins is so important that God died on the cross, then us forgiving others is so important to him. This is a condition for, you, for our forgiveness. Apparently somebody, there's one of the, there are many stories like this. Somebody came and told John Rusley, the founder of Methodist Church, I cannot forgive this person for what he has done. And, and John Rusley said, I hope that then I hope that you'll never sin again because he'll not forgive you. Think about that. God said, Jesus said, if you do not forgive, Father will not forgive. If you don't want to forgive anyone, someone who hurt you, you better be not sinning any, any, any at all because the Father will not forgive your sin. This is, how, this is a must in prayer. And, and sometimes when you think about it, when, when, you, when you say, God, we are praying, why aren't you listening? One of the, one of the reasons why God may not be answering my prayers is because I have not dealt with sin. Or I have unforgiving spirit in my heart toward others. Because Jesus, I will not listen. Father will not forgive your sin. He will not listen to you, your prayers. See, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 says, Let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, clamor, slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Letting all the bitterness, wrath, and anger go. Let it go. In, in, the, in the Bible study you'll do, and Rick Warren mentioned, there's two options when, in, in our life when we will get hurt in this life. We, and that some, some that people do wrong to us. Definitely this is normal part of our life. There are two choices when somebody wrongs you. Two choices. Either you relive it or release it. You can relive it over and over because you'll be stuck with unforgiving, unforgiving spirit in you and you'll, you'll go over, with the, over and over with the pain. Or you can relieve it, release it. And, and, and I realize. Forgiveness is not easy at all, is it? This is the most difficult part of this prayer. I don't, think, I don't think I'll be able to finish the other verses. Let me just read this verse. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. You know what it said? Look at that. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. One of the reasons why we may not seeing healing in our midst is because I am not repenting of my sin. I am not forgiving, my, uh, forgiving each other of our sins. This, this verse says that your, 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 
you may be healed. Maybe that's why we are not seeing healing in our, in our life. The prayers about for healing is not being answered because we are holding on to unforgiveness. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. You must forgive because it is a mark of being forgiven. We must forgive because it is a way of life for the believer. This has to be our life more than anything else. I'm almost done. I don't know if I'm going to I put old Joseph, one of the best stories in the whole Bible about forgiveness is Joseph, isn't it? His brothers wronged him, almost tried to kill him and sold him away as a slave. He lives a slave in Egypt for many years. When he tried to do right, a, a woman falsely accused him, ended up in prison, and, and in prison, and, and for many, many years. Alone and rejected in a foreign country and all that. At the end, when God, God exalted him as he had shown him in dream long time, many, many years later, he's, when his brothers come, he forgives his brother. Look at what he says. Please come closer, he said to them, his brothers. So they came closer. He said, to again, said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this. Somebody's calling me. I don't know who's calling me in the middle of the service. Sorry. But don't. I, my wife, are you calling me to finish my message? No? Okay. Thank you. But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourself for for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace and the governor of all Egypt. You see, if somebody had right to be angry at his brothers, it was Joseph. Twenty-some years in hard places, in prison and all that. When, when he got to face his brother, he forgave them. Was it easy? Probably not. But the, he, God, he had perspective. He said, you know, God has purpose in this thing. He didn't, he didn't minimize what they have done. He did, he did remind them, you sold me here. He, he, not, he didn't minimize it. Yes, you did it, but there's a greater purpose God had. I forgave you, and I'm going to bless you. So I'm going to take care of your family and all that, he says. You see, forgiveness is not easy. It's not easy. Forgiveness is so difficult, God had to die on the cross. That's how difficult it is. It is. Forgiveness releases your heart, releases you from the bondage people you are in. And forgiveness often has to be decisive once and for all, but also, also those forgiving, forgiveness need to continue on. That somebody you forgave who hurt you a long time ago, I mean, even though you forgave decisively, the memories will come back, you'll, you'll hurt again. You need to continue forgiving. 
choose because forgiveness is not feeling. It's about choice I make. I'm not going to revenge. I'm not going to retaliate. I'm going to forget, forgive, let it go. It is the gospel we are called to live. You see, when Jesus gave this short model prayer, how we should pray, in the middle of it, the gospel is in it in every way. Come to God, knowing, acknowledging that you are a sinner. And, and also come to God saying, God, because you have forgiven me, I do forgive others. Amen. I'm going to praise him. Come. You see, God is calling us to prayer. You know why? Not because, it is because it is us who need God. He gave us prayer so that we can draw near and to see God. And often I think we focus on the things God will, God will give us, forget the one who wants to give that. Why he did that? Because he wants to be with us. If you don't mind, let me end with me being a little sentimental. Okay, I'm going to be a little sentimental, if you don't mind. A number of years ago, even before I was a Christian, I think it was 41 years ago, I was in high school, just began to go to church. I wasn't saved until two years later. And I think first ever revival that I ever went, only thing I remember, I don't remember any message this pastor told a story, a poem which was written in English. He Koreanized it and he said that poem to us in Korean. I don't know why after 41 years, this is probably the story that I remember the most about prayer. It's a humble Christian named Jim. A biography, let me read. For years, each day he would rise to pray. And when in church, he would bow his knees and meekly say, Dear God, it's Jim. And when he would leave, we all could see God's holy presence walk with him. As Jim grew, grew old, the chastening rod of years left him so ill and drawn. His path to church is now untrod. But in his heart each day at dawn, he, he hears the words, Dear Jim. It's God. I remember heard that first time 41 years ago. Still rings in my heart. God's invitation to prayer is more than, so much more than giving us what we need. Even, and even rescuing us all that, so much more. It's about He, God, wanting to be with me. And the prayer is that invitation to be with Him. To be with Him. My heart still, as I think about this, this poem, I don't know why it stuck with me more than anything else. Prayer is an invitation to draw near to God. And as you draw near, God says, come, my son. I want you to come. Come, my daughter. I want you to draw near. I want you to be free. Be free. Like the picture you saw of JFK and the Oval Office, the son and a daughter running, jumping in father's presence. 
I don't want anything holding you down. I don't want any sin holding you down. I don't want any relational relations that broken holding you down. I want you to come free and be with me. Delight in my presence. Let's all stand. You're gonna sing this praise together. But as you're singing this praise, I want you to consider. Is there any hurtful ways in us, O oh God? Are there any hurtful ways in us? Father, we confess our sins. Are there someone in your God is are there someone God brings into mind where you need to forgive? Maybe someone you need to forgive. You have a brother or you have a sister. Somebody, somebody in your life. It could be even your husband. Definitely can be husband. I don't know about wife, but definitely could be husband. So uh, somebody that you need to forgive and, and for, let go of the hurts and bitterness that we may draw near. We may know his grace.